good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm all right. You know, I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you were listening to last week's episode and you don't follow me on any of my social media, I. Uh, Last week's podcast gave me COVID. <laughs> it was such a good episode too, but shocker. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a very good episode. Yeah. But you know what? Who who'd have known that episode <laughs> is what gave me COVID? And it was so that's what gave that's what gave me Omicron. It was so clean too. You know, you figure it'd be disinfected. <laughs> it was about a maid, but I guess she stopped yeah. cleaning in the middle of the episode. That's probably what did it. That's probably what did yeah. it. And you know, no one in the episode was wearing a mask. Yeah, that's true. That's true too. <sighs> yeah. Fucking conservatives. <laughs> so where, um, yeah. So you got it, and uh, do you know where you got it? I know that's probably impossible. We, we've we've got an idea. Yeah. I, I mean, whenever I, I tested positive on Monday, Monday the tenth, I think it was. Yeah. Y- yeah, Monday the tenth, and the last time that either of us were out at, at anything where we even had our masks off for a little bit was Tuesday the fourth. So it was incubating for a while before I showed any symptoms uh, starting Sunday night. And that was just like general like a headache, a fatigue. Um, I didn't even really have a cough yet or a fever. Mm. I had like a, a slight fever, but it was like 99.4. I, I think I temped once over 100. Wow. Uh, and then I was just thinking, I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm just like tired from the day. I'll wake up go to work, do my show tomorrow, and it'll be totally fine, you know? Yeah. Because that's normally what happens. And then I get halfway through my show, and I'm like, I'm oh, still man. not feeling great. There, And I had taken a rapid test Sunday night as well, and it came back negative. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, that that's what led to my decision to go to work. Sure. It's not that I purposefully went to work having symptoms i took a rapid it came back negative no ted is a right wing am radio host not a lot you know we (laughs) we have these characters that we play on here but you are a staunch anti-vaxxer pro january you were there on january 6th we talked about that i think it edited i think we edited it out of the christmas episode but (laughs) yeah um but uh but yeah i I tested negative sunday night and then monday morning comes around i'm like okay this is more than just like monday morning dread for the the week ahead and so i uh i'm thankful to work for um some people that happen to have just like a bunch of rapid tests they they get them from uh they get them in bulk but it's been running rampant uh, through our office. Yeah, yeah, I bet. There's, there's, there's been like four or five people each week yeah. out with it, and uh, it just hit me this week. You know. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling better, but I still have my cough. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking another rapid this afternoon, and I'm just hoping that it uh, comes back negative. But now, after a week of not having any symptoms, Grace is not starting to feel well. Uh, I was gonna ask about her because I know she had it already. <laughs> But I know the antibodies yeah. don't last forever. Yeah, she. Uh, oh, I mean, she she tested positive last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she tested positive on New Year's Day, twenty twenty one, and then um, I, I mean, we're but since then we're both fully vaxxed. We're yeah. both boosted, but I, I I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, as far as your um, what you think was your exposure, and like that clocks with what we've heard from our just little run in with it is. From the first, from the exposure, because you can sort of backdate it and go, all right, I started feeling bad on the 10th. If you backdated five days, that's when you're carrying the heaviest viral load and when you might start actually showing symptoms as far as I know. Because if like, say, Declan was a close contact, the school won't Mm -hmm. even accept a test before 
five days or something like that. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, we were like, we were out doing stuff on Friday the 7th, but uh, again, no symptoms. Mm-hmm. And again, both of us were wearing our masks like 98% of the time. Like we got some stuff to eat and drink, but like other than that, we're the only, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say only, we're like... <laughs> one of the few people down here that are consistently wearing a mask. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's Texas, baby. <laughs> Land of the free. Yeah, we, we have freedom down in Texas. <laughs> All right, should we get going? Yeah, why not? Want- I'm eating my uh I'm eating my cinnamon toast crunch here. Okay. Well chime in uh if you can. Oh well you have to you do have to do uh something in this part. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallwell, and, and I just spit some Cinnamon Toast Crunch on my windscreen. Ugh. Mm, yum. Ugh. Food on it. the wind, anything on the windscreen, anything crusty on the windscreen is oh. like, It's very dusty. I feel like I've got to, I feel like I've got to clean it. I got to get some, like some, uh, some keyboard duster. Yeah, and yeah. that might take care of it. Blow it out. Yeah. Today we <laughs> will be talking about the Puerto Rican Day, season nine, episode 20. But before that, what is the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Maid? The first thing you'll notice, and the first thing we noticed when we watched the last episode, was that Jerry is hoarse, and they start off the episode talking about it. He says, it's the last time I do a rodeo, I am I was screaming at hecklers all night. I wasn't able to find really too much reason why, but it was so hoarse that some of his dialogue had to be re-recorded in post-production. And that's why I think... No way! Yeah, as we get... <laughs> like further into the episode and he starts sounding a little bit better that may be the reason hmm, okay yeah but somebody watch the commentary and tell us if they go into this a little bit further because that's the only detail i was able to get from the wiki page about this i did find this chicago tribune article from april 23rd 1998 so right before the finale aired it's an interview with the guy who played maxwell anthony crivello and all he had to say is when we were shooting jerry seinfeld was slowly starting to get laryngitis and they just built it into the plot line so I, you know, I don't know what, I think you just get laryngitis by overuse, as far as I know. Like, if you screamed really loud, I think they'd call that, you know, and and then you lost your voice, that'd be laryngitis, so. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not certain. Yeah, you got to imagine, though, the the last week of his show, you know, or the last week that his show was shooting (laughs) or whatever, I mean. Yeah, just, that's gotta, that's gotta suck, that's the, like, worst possible timing. Yeah, but it, but he had to, like, (laughs) think of all the writing of the episodes, and all the talking, and all the interviews, and all the pressers he was doing, like, even if he only did the big shows that's like 10 interviews in a week or something you know so yeah that's pro- that's my guess as to, as to what it was just overuse <laughs> not to mention imagine if podcasts were a thing back then jerry <laughs> yeah. would have done none of that uh, yeah <laughs> exactly maybe like he probably would have done like one like if if all of the modern podcasts were a thing in 98 yeah. whenever seinfeld was going off the air i could see him doing mark Marin. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he, he that's one of the few that I have heard him on was Marin. Yeah. Um, but I was just about to say Conan. And then I was like, well, Conan, like he still hasn't had him on. And, and he's been going for like two or three, well, maybe just two years at this point. But I'm like, you figure he would have had Seinfeld on by now. So maybe oh, he wouldn't man. have even done Conan's podcast if podcasts know. were a Th- That would like be, that. if Conan gets Seinfeld on, that, that'll that be uh, an instant download for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And but but I don't see those two as you know I see him more as like the Letterman guy or yeah I don't even know if he was like too much of a Leno guy even though he was on NBC I feel like he was on Letterman more often yeah um, I, I see um I see like Seinfeld putting up with Conan's bits yeah and his like 
transatlantic voice for like 20 minutes until he just gets like sick of it and then he starts mocking conan but in a joking way they're very different i mean seinfeld is so mathematical (laughs) and conan i see is much more artsy and absurd in his comedy that that might work well together or it might just get on each other's nerves you know Um, because i'm sure he's done uh, conan before but i don't i don't nothing sticks like an interview doesn't stick out to me or anything like that um but yeah they just seem like two totally different comedians but of course we all know that jerry would probably just go on joe rogan the joe rogan of the 19 <laughs> if joe rogan was around uh, jerry seinfeld on cancel culture um so we see uh, uh there's an iconic seinfeld moment in the maid when kramer is at the corner of first and first how can the same street intersect with itself i must be at the nexus of the universe and we wanted to know how do people give directions or cross streets in new york city and from what i can see from what i can tell you give the street first and then the avenue, or if it's not on a corner, like if you don't want to go to a corner, you want to go to you know the the middle of the street. You you give the street, and then what avenues it is between. So I'm on whatever First Avenue between First and Second, or something like that. And then oh. people would know you yeah, or First Avenue between yeah First and Second. I think that's right. But if the address is an avenue, then you give that first, and then what streets it's between. So you could say you know yeah First Avenue between whatever and whatever. Um, I did find this. TripAdvisor comment from a user named Calendar Gal 16 years ago who sort of agreed with this. I live in New York City for nine years and always said the street first, like 61st and first. However, since the avenues only go up to 12 and the streets go to 200 plus, there's not mm. much room for confusion unless you're below 12th Street. If you said third and third and 34th, people would know where you meant. If you said seventh and 10th, people would probably want more clarification. Oh, yeah. okay. So if both See, are below twelve, people know there's not a thirty fourth avenue. But there's they know there's not avenue. a thirty fourth and thirty fourth, but yeah. there is a twelfth and twelfth. Yes, yeah. If you said, there's two twelfths and twelfths. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, or, yeah. That's right. I think you're right because east and west. No, there there would, there would only be there would only be one twelfth and twelfth, but there would be two third and tenths. Uh, I think you're right. I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confusing myself. But, you know, too. <laughs> like most, even Erie, where we both lived, was laid out like a city like this. So you could tell where someone lived. Like, I think when I got, like, what's that street that goes up the middle? Is that Fourth Street or something? What was that one that went right up the middle that our studio was on? States, that was State oh, Street. Okay. State, State Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so State Street split the east and west sides, I think. Yes. Yeah. Because it went mm-hmm. north and south. And so I lived at like 10 West 4th. And so you could tell, you knew, you would know that that was like uh, State Street and First. You know, if I lived at like 100, you'd know you'd have to go a block past State Street. Or, yeah, uh, to the to the to the next block. You know what I mean? So, just like any city that's laid out like that, New York is is kind of the same way. But I don't think in Erie you'd say, yeah, I want to go to the corner of. Well, I guess you could. I want to go to the corner of First and State or State and First. I'd say First and State in that case. It just rolls off the tongue easier. I don't think uh, I don't know if this answered any questions, but but I, there's all the information. <laughs> Anything with numbers just throws me for a loop. Interestingly enough, currently at the corner of First Avenue and First Street, inspired by this episode, is a place called the Nexus Lounge. No yes. way, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and is it a is it a bar? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay, uh, bar restaurant kind of thing. And there's also a Ray's Pizza there, uh, as there was when Kramer and Jerry are talking because Kramer That's says awesome. I'm looking at Ray's pizza <laughs> and Jerry goes is it famous Ray's and he goes no it's original Ray's and Jerry goes famous original Ray's it's just original <laughs> Jerry so there is an actual Ray's pizza there when Jerry is on the phone with Kramer he delivers the line stay alive no matter what occurs I will find you 
And that is a reference. It is a reference, as we suspected, to the 1992 film Last of the Mohicans, American <laughs> epic historical drama set in 1757, directed by Michael Mann, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. It won the Academy Award for Best Sound. I remember this being a big deal when it came out in 92, but I was only 11, so it really didn't interest me. It's about the last members of a dying Native American tribe, the Mohicans, Uncas, his father, Chingagook, and his adopted half-white brother, Hawkeye. That's Daniel Day-Lewis. They live in peace alongside British colonists, who, when the daughters of a British colonel are kidnapped by a traitorous scout, Hawkeye and Uncas must rescue them in a crossfire of a gruesome military conflict of which they wanted no part, the French and Indian War. Hmm. And here's the actual line that Hawkeye delivers. I don't know to who, maybe to Uncas, maybe to these daughters of the British colonel or whatever. No, you stay alive. If they don't kill you, they'll take you up north to the Huron lands. Submit, do you hear? You're strong. You survive. You stay alive no matter what occurs. I will find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter how far, I will find you. Thank you. Just as good as Daniel Day Lewis. Here, let me get let me get you your uh, your round of applause. <laughs> the only other the only other thing I know about this movie is that uh, my wife loves the score. She's a big fan of cinematic movie scores, and this is one of her oh my favorites. god, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know what it uh, what it sounds like, but she always uh, has loved it. One of the working titles for the maid. So that's all the homework we had. Here's some more trivia and tidbits. Uh, one of the working titles for the episode was the long distance relationship. Eh, I kind of like the maid better in this case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when Cindy tells George, and, and I caught this, but I thought it was something, I thought it was a callback to earlier in this episode, and that's why I didn't point it out. But when Cindy tells George that one of the girls at the maid service she works at is named Coco, she goes, that girl's all right. Did you Do you remember that? No. What, what, is, what is this a callback to? Well, it's a reference to the dealership where Jerry and Putty are talking about Coco, the gorilla that can do sign language. And Putty goes, oh my God. That chip's all right. <laughs> yeah and, and i totally caught that and i knew it was a reference to a previous episode but i didn't point it out the, hey go go, go that chip's all right up yeah. top and and i and it's definitely because i conflated the episodes <laughs> and i thought i thought that like kruger had said it already and, and and anyway i thought it was from this episode but it definitely wasn't so yeah hey go 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 the chip's all right <laughs> man uh david mandel the writer later commented i don't know why we thought that line was funny <laughs> <laughs> The Maid was the last normal episode of Seinfeld, and as such, it became sort of a dumping ground for all the writers' favorite ideas that they'd been able to, and unable to work into an episode yet, since all the writers saw it as their last chance. So uh, the episode we're going to talk about today was basically shot all on location, so that's made, what made it kind of different. Next week, we're going to have a clip show, and then we're going to have the finale. And so this was the mm. last formulaic Seinfeld episode, and that's why... There was some stuff in it, like the story of George wanting a nickname was contributed by the writer Kit Boss. Initially, the story, which is already a good nickname. Why did he want a nickname? Yeah. (laughs) Kit Boss. (laughs) Initially, the story developed kind of differently. Irritated by another employee getting the T-Bone nickname, George was to issue a stern office-wide memo forbidding the use of nicknames, but misspell his own name in the signature as Gorge. And the office staff would then start calling him Gorge as a nickname. But in an attempt to dispel the unwelcome nickname, George would get a copy of his birth certificate only to discover that due to his father misspelling his name the exact same way, his legal name is Gorge Costanza. <laughs> Man, I wish that would have happened. That's great. That's pretty funny. Holy shit. <laughs> That's got echoes of the Jerry, Terry, 
thing from Parks and Rec. Did you ever you did you watch Parks and Rec? No, oh. I did not. Well, no. there's a character whose name we whose real name we learn later in the show, and he never corrected anybody because a he's just super polite, and b and, and sort of like the walking he's like the the welcome mat for. Um, or the what is it? What's the word? I'm like? the doormat. He's the doormat of the office, and so mm, okay. when, he, when he first got there, someone called him the wrong name, and so so and he didn't correct them, so they just called him that for the entire uh, <laughs> run of the show. But Jerry didn't like the idea, arguing that Gorge was just a fat joke, and the writers replaced it with George being nicknamed Coco, which was Seinfeld writer Stephen Corin's name in the offices. A because his name starts with a K O, Corin, but also apparently he had a gorilla-like haircut at the time. <laughs> What is a gorilla-like haircut? I don't. I guess just kind of like the um, Ken Burns, like the just kind of just like straight and thin and, and like almost like a bowl cut maybe, but like but a bowl cut you haven't cut in a while. You know what I mean? Okay. That's what I. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if you Google Steve Corin if you could. I mean, hell, he's a. Oh my God! Wait a minute. Did he play? There's a picture of um, young. There's a picture of George. Maybe it is him. Let's see, he's a big deal now. He wrote for SNL and Veep. And he oh, wow. wrote or co-wrote Bruce Almighty, Click, A Night at the Roxbury, and Superstar. Huh? Yeah. Oh, and he- are you also are you also looking at the uh, the photo of the character Steve Corin? Yes. And I no, think that he, was him. No, it wasn't because uh, it, he, they just took his name. Oh, okay. Because he's listed as in acting credits. He's listed as the character Steve Corin. Yeah, that, that's that's the character's name portrayed by Jed Ryan. Oh, okay. Well, then so his Wikipedia page is wrong because it says he was that character. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he was in he was in the dealership as a as a cab driver. I don't remember no a way. cab oh my driver God. from that episode. But yeah, so um, and I'm looking at, uh, you look, do you see any gorilla style hair? He does kind of have like a, a mulletish eh. kind of thing. I could see. Oh, my this God. Did, like, oh, my God. He wrote like long and overgrown. I can understand why this was left out of his little um, <laughs> bio, but he also apparently had something to do with Jack and Jill. Damn. Oh, God. All-time great. <laughs> Legend of comedy. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I don't know what he had to do with it, but I don't care to find out. I don't know. Uh, here's an old older picture, I guess. I don't know. Not too gorilla-ish, but all right. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Jerry-Cindy story was inspired by the real-life Jerry Seinfeld relationship with his trainer, who he started dating. And Jerry had commented to the other writers about the oddity of paying a woman to come to his house while also carrying on a sexual relationship with her. Not too weird, I'm guessing, for the actual Jerry Seinfeld. Not too weird for the character oh. either. Yeah. I'm sure Jerry, the the person, had no problem with it. But you can see Jerry, the <laughs> character, like trying to rationalize it, even though he doesn't necessarily believe it himself and he knows something's off about it. But I'm willing to bet Jerry, the guy, was like, no, nah, she comes to my house. We work out and uh, and then I work it out. The phone story grew out of the office trend where employees' phone numbers are almost inevitably mistaken by some other employee for a fax number. So I think that still happens to this day. Ra- like Because radio stations are the last place on earth that I know have fax machines and continue to need <laughs> to get faxes for some reason. But yeah, the, back in the 90s, that probably happened a ton. It's like, all right, here's yeah. here's an office number. I can probably send a fax to it. There is a, there's one other place that I have learned of in the last year that still has and relies on a fax machine, and that is a veterinary office. Aha. Yeah, because there is a lot of like small town country bumpkin vet clinics yeah. that people like usually take their dogs to, and if they come into one like... That's in a city. They need to get their records faxed in <laughs> from this country bumpkin doctor who normally does everything pen and paper. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense, too. 
Elaine deleting a message from George, although it occupies just a few seconds of screen time, was originally intended to be an entire story. Uh, the writers wanted to satirize the practice of deleting messages from friends without listening to them with the intent of just calling the person back, but couldn't think of a way to develop the idea. So turned it into oh, just... Oh, man. Yeah, turned it into just <laughs> probably, you know, the, the joke is probably funnier than the story would have been, but that does sound pretty funny that he actually did need something and not, hey, it's George, <laughs> call me back. It was funny that, like, it might be important and she deleted it, then, like, oh, that that's probably not important. That's not as funny, but um, it does sound good. And as far as... We have some deleted scenes as well that uh, did not make this cut george and jerry recounting george's first failed attempt at getting a nickname i guess he wanted to be called crash costanza (laughs) (laughs) that's good Uh, kramer saying that he and madeline did a jigsaw puzzle together over the phone and maxwell telling jerry that the maids at his service are considered the best because they're willing to do anything my guess is maybe that was more jokes about like all the weird stuff. Like she, she tells me what you're into sicky disinfecting the blinds and you know, like being super, super clean. Maybe it was just more, you know, misdirect or double entendre about stuff like that. But yeah, so that's it. All right. Do we got any news or anything? I don't think so. No, not that I, not that I've seen. Okay. Um, no, no, uh, no actors that we've caused their death in the last week and a half. Uh, let me think. Bob Saget was never on Seinfeld. That's um, true. Neither. Did he ever get mentioned? I don't think there was ever even a mention. No, I don't think so, which is weird because they mentioned okay. other stuff like Blossom and Mad About You they would poke fun at. But Full House, which is more saccharine than either one of those combined. Um, yeah, never even yeah. never even like a Full House joke. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if you've never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show despite the last... 27 minutes uh, being exclusively research and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at no hugging on Twitter or no hugging, no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, too, I I think. What's that? Just the links for, oh. for our Twitter and for, right, for right. the email uh, in case you don't want to open up your mail <sighs> app and type in no hugging, no learning show at gmail.com. It's a, it's a lot easier to just uh, click a button and it does it for you. Um, if you'd like to support us, you can hit up. One of the other links in the description, it's a link to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging. We have got uh, all of our extra bits that get clipped out of our episodes, plus two movie reviews a month as part of the It's a Hyundai tier. It's only five bucks a month. Uh, You can try it out as well uh, for, well, I mean, the low, low cost of $5. I wish Patreon had, like, free trials Mm. that you could, like, uh, get like a week trial or something. Maybe maybe once we have like six more months of content, mm-hmm. I'll uh I'll inquire about getting a free trial for people because I I feel like we're still at the point where if we give out month free trials, everyone would just consume all our content <laughs> and then not subscribe. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um but uh yeah, if uh, if that interests you, it's only 5 bucks. Um but if you don't want to give us any money, that's totally fine. You cheap bastard. Yeah. Uh, you can still give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we will send you a no-hugging, no-learning sticker free of charge. Uh, we just need your mailing address as well, uh, so you can send that to the email. All that being said, Season 9, Episode 20, The Puerto Rican Day. 
Original air date, May 7th, 1998, one week after last week's episode. I was five years, four months, and 17 days old. And you know what I discovered whenever I looked up how old I was for this episode? The entire run of Seinfeld ended before I was in kindergarten. Wow. You went in that September or whatever. mm Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I, I mean, I knew I was young. I never knew... Or I never realized it was all before I had any schooling <laughs> <Wow>. whatsoever. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, Tim, we have three episodes until we become a... Um, how about a nickname podcast where people can <laughs> you know write in or tweet us or whatever and we'll give them a nickname just based on anything that's any info they give us, but also any publicly available information that we can find like their Facebook page and Twitter. account. When you write into us, we will stalk your social media trying to find a nickname that fits you and then give you a nickname. Exactly. (laughs) God. Um, If you are looking at TV guide, the night of April, or not April, May 7th, 1998, you are going to see the gang gets stuck in traffic due to the Puerto Rican day parade period. George has a laser pointed at him, period. George, Jerry, and Kramer crash an open house, period. Not bad. I'm, I'm willing to bet we can make this a whole lot better, but we will see if we can do that at the end. Before we get into the episode, I, I do have to mention this uh, regarding the Patreon and our, our first one of the year, a great New Year's movie, Ghostbusters 2. And I want to thank my neighbor, John, for prodding me to actually begin this search and and dig a little deeper than I had in the past. (laughs) He tried to find the truck driver clip art that I was taught that I've talked about. (laughs) I talked about it in the the episode, the strike because Dave Florek looked like this clip art that I could never find. And I was like, I'm sure he's driving a truck. And so my, my neighbor, John sent me a couple of, of uh, clip arts that he got. And I was like, no, that's, that's definitely not it. And then I looked and I actually found a, like the, the menu that used to open up when you selected insert clip art on Microsoft Word or Works. And there, down in the lower right corner, was Dave Florek, the clip art guy. So go to at no hugging if you heard me talk about it on either one of those episodes. And and he's not driving a truck. But I remembered in my mind, I was like, yeah, he's got the steering wheel of a of a green truck. And he's not. It's it's a guy who looks like Dave Florek, a cartoon Dave Florek, holding a big pile of what it, little green squares that presumably are money. And that's why that's why I thought it was like a green steering wheel. And he's like backing up. Like it looks exactly like I remember. I just was confusing what he was actually doing. So the hunt is finally over. And uh, another <laughs> great reason to follow us on at no hugging on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. We got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got 90s clip art Dave Florek. Um, okay, so we start with the cold open. We're in Jerry's car. They're driving. They got the top down, and there's no surprisingly very little wind on the New York roads when the top is down. <laughs> I can see, like, a little bit of hair moving, so they were trying, but they are not going highway speed with the top down in a no. convertible, which was funny. I mean, I know that would cause production issues and you know you wouldn't be able to hear and they'd be screaming so i understand but it did look super fake and they're leaving a mets game george is either hungry or about to shit his pants (laughs) (laughs) or both or both yeah that's true you know sometimes after you go through that i mean you're like well now i'm hungry i'm empty (laughs) well i mean i've i've definitely had situations where my stomach has been upset yeah but i'm like i don't know if my stomach's upset because of something I ate or if I'm hungry. Yeah. I just need to kind of like wait it out a little bit. Maybe maybe go like sit on the toilet for a couple of minutes and see if anything comes out. Yeah. 
But that's not George. George, if if he has an inkling that he wants to eat, he will eat. <laughs> like, I think I'm hungry. I'm, I want to eat something to eat. But I like that Elaine was like, you had all that food at the ballpark. And I agree with this. Ballpark food doesn't count. As Jerry says, it's just an activity. And I totally you agree, agree with that. Oh, my gosh. What? Yeah. Dude, what about all the times where we would go and, like, have ballpark lunch? That's what I mean. Like, you can't watch a baseball game without eating a ton of shitty food. Like, that's what they meant by it. Like, that doesn't count. You know, okay. like. Okay, okay eat, I got like, it. Yeah, it's, like, those are, those are, those don't count as far as calories go or sustenance for your body. It's just, it's something you just have to do at a ball game is, like, get okay. a bunch of. See, yeah. see I, I, on the opposite side, I think it does count, but we've also gone to a ball game just for food yes. and then left immediately yeah. because because we're not interested in watching the ball game. No, we just wanted like some corn dog nuggets yeah. and we had free food vouchers. That's true. We wanted lunch. So I guess in that case, like the ball, does count. The ball game is the activity and the food is yeah. the, the main attraction. The, the, the food counts because we're not there for the ball game. Yes. But if you're there for the ball game, the food doesn't count. That is exactly the perfect way to explain it right there. Uh, Jerry is trying to change lanes to get off at his exit, and Kramer is trying to help him out, almost <laughs> literally backseat driving, <laughs> because he's trying to tell Jerry <laughs> when he can go, and he does tell Jerry when to go, and he cuts off another driver, maybe or maybe not, this guy in the maroon golf, and the guy flips the bird at him, and Kramer gets up to moon the guy. We don't know if he actually follows through with it because it, it blacks out before that but but yeah, I, wonder. I i liked him i liked him saying uh oh what if we moon him here put your window up pressed ham on glass <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're still in the car and george is talking about seeing going to see blimp the hindenburg story <laughs> <laughs> which i think is a i think that was probably another like nudge at titanic and maybe those kind of like big disaster films that came yeah. after it i I'll tell you what, I know they follow us and interact with us on Twitter, but they are much more popular on Instagram. If the people behind Champagne Video Store are listening <gasps> to this, Champagne Video Store, please make a fake VHS for Blimp the Hindenburg <laughs> story, please. Yeah, I don't know why I, they... I will buy it day one. I don't know why they haven't expanded their their line. You know, there are plenty of great mentions that you could you know, design something, even though the movie poster doesn't exist. Like that's, what's kind of cool about their, uh, you know, sack lunch. It's the actual, we see the actual movie poster, but, um, yeah. I know that they've got a good one for sack lunch and they've got a good one for Rochelle Rochelle. Yeah. I, and, uh, that, that's it for Seinfeld yeah. refs, but they have a few other ones yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd love to see them expand. Yeah. To all the fake movies. Cry, cry again. Um, <laughs> what was the one? Death blow. Yeah. Death blow. <laughs> So George, when the Hindenburg explodes, there was a there was a calm moment after that, and George yelled out, "That's gotta hurt!" And it the place uh. erupted in laughter. <laughs> also, I I loved when he's telling the stories, like telling Jerry like what he thought of the movie. He's like, "Oh, it was very morose. I, I don't think they really had to dwell on such <laughs> negative themes. It's a bl it's a Nazi blimp explosion." <laughs> and I love Jerry's comeback. He's like, "Yeah, what about all those Hindenburg flights where it didn't explode?" <laughs> <laughs> and they notice traffic's not moving, and they realize they are stuck in the Puerto Rican Day Parade traffic. And the camera pans out to this huge traffic set. I mean, and it is so populated. I think they did a great job making this look the way they needed to look with the, like, it's so obvious a television set, but they did a great, they did what they could with it, and it looks great. Yeah. I was, I was impressed. And, and going back to talking about how The Maid was the last real episode of Seinfeld like this is where we're going to be in, in this traffic set for for the whole 
expanse of the episode. We get some blurry B-roll of a parade just to prove that there is a parade going on. (laughs) Yeah, just to prove that there was a parade sometime in the last 25 years. And I love that they they didn't even make an effort to find anything a little Hispanic, you know? Like, didn't... We would have given a pass if, you know, it didn't have to be actually Puerto Rican, you know? But, like... When they put up the parade, it's like the Marine Corps marching band. I'm like, is that where are they? They were maybe a part of it. I will, I will give you, I, you know, I'll give you that. But how about, you know, some of those gauchos on horseback or something? Like when I've been to parades like this, you see actually some some Hispanic culture at the Puerto Rican Day Parade. <laughs> nope. We can afford three seconds of B-roll and it's the <laughs> NYPD marching cops. I'm surprised they didn't get like the, the Shriners driving yeah. around in those little tiny dune buggies. <laughs> yeah. Like those guys were probably there, but not, you know, just because they don't miss a parade, not because they're Puerto Rican. So Kramer go, goes to see what's going on. And when he comes back, he jumps in the wrong car, which I thought was pretty funny because there's like a little girl who has kind of <laughs> Elaine's haircut. Again, kind of a throwback to Elaine Bennis and her her possible Hispanic background. But it's it's completely the wrong car. And Kramer finds the real one. Jerry, and he says, tells Jerry to worm his way into the next lane to go down the wrong way on this one-way street to get out of the Puerto Rican Day Parade traffic. George, meanwhile, you know, when he tries to get the next guy to, like, first of all, George has his hand out. And Jerry's like, that's not going to be enough. I need to, I need, you know, we need face. And so he's getting the stare ahead from the driver, which... Jerry gives a perfect line here, too. It's like, I hate the stare ahead. I always do it. (laughs) Which, I mean, I'm a driver and I do the stare ahead, too. Like when you're blocking the box and the light turns red, you know, you're like, "Um, Uh, uh, there's something interesting right in front of me and I will not break my gaze. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the person trying to turn right or the people trying to get through the intersection are like, you know, cursing you. And Kramer has, uh, is talking about who the Grand Marshals are and mixes up Cheetah Rivera, another actress who I forget, but eventually lands on Stacey Keach, who <laughs> I remember from the great show Prison Break that I loved, but who definitely is not, I would imagine, the Grand Marshal at any Puerto Rican Day Parade. But maybe he, maybe he does have some heritage that I don't know about. But Jerry is blocked from worming his way in to the alleyway by Maroon Golf, the guy he... Uh, cut off and they did not apologize to elaine has elaine's got the sunday scaries in this episode big time she leaves because she has to see 60 minutes because that is her sunday wind down ritual and if she doesn't wind down then it's going to be a bad week Uh, (laughs) george leaves because he sees a theater showing blimp and he wants to go back in to deliver his line and jerry can't believe this but when but george says it's a performance it's like what you do and Jerry eventually has to admit that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Except, as Kramer points out, it's bigger than the rooms Jerry plays. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know, Jerry, you haven't played a room that big in quite a while. Yeah, George is like, well, I, I go in and I deliver this line and everyone laughs. Like, how is that different than, than what you do? <laughs> uh, except it's to a much bigger audience. So Elaine, when she left, she got into a cab. This whole episode, they seem to have forgotten that <sighs> the subway exists. New York has a... An underground metro system, unlike any other oh in the my world. God, yeah. <laughs> and we've seen them on it before. But for some reason, <laughs> Elaine got out of one car thinking she could get into this other car and magically there'd be no traffic. Uh, yeah. Even though the car, I'm assuming whenever she got into it, was stopped yeah. because it was stopped whenever we see her for the first time. Yeah. And, and so Elaine got into, the, you know, she gets into this cab and then she's like, you know what? I can walk faster than this. And she throws a guy some money and she gets out and then the car moves again. So she gets back in, but then it stops. So she gets out again, and the cab pulls away. It was kind of a funny bit, but also I'm like, what? 
you know, you had to suspend your disbelief that they wouldn't think, you know what, I can I can walk. I don't know. I don't know where they are. Well, maybe when they got right into the city, I, I don't know where they are in relation to Elaine's apartment or Jerry's apartment. Maybe it's too far of a walk, but I've walked some long ass dis- distances in New York. I think you do what you have to when you, you know, when there's no other, because I'm sure the subway was jammed too. Yeah. Grace and I, Grace and I took a lift down to Brooklyn Heights Park so that we could like overlook the Brooklyn Bridge. Then we walked back from Brooklyn to Soho. Yeah. That's just what you which is yeah. which is a long ass walk. That's just what you do. I remember Sarah and I, we walked like pretty much the entire length of the city of Chicago when we visited there. It's like, yeah, we just that's just, just what you do. So over at the movies, George sets up his line with some ladies right next to him where he goes, I- I've never seen this. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so he'll look like more of a genius when he delivers the perfect line at the perfect time. I've never seen this. Like a magician going, now we have never met. Isn't that correct? To, to somebody. <laughs> and then this really, this uh, a laser pointer beam shows up on screen. And oh I God. love, I love how, how cheesy and overacting the ladies are because it's like j- just so perfect to great on George. They're like, oh my gosh, there's one of those funny laser pointers. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy is like hovering on the boobs of the people yeah. on screen. He's, so. he's, just, he's just circling boobs. Yeah. Now, we, we talked about this a little bit at the end of last episode, but you remember when laser pointers, even though you were not in kindergarten at this point, they were still a thing by the time you were able to. Like, yeah. oh my God. God, yeah, I was like in my early teens. Yeah, they were still a thing. Yeah, <laughs> they were a thing for a while. I definitely remember the the late '90s when you know, uh, like I lived near Virginia Beach, and so you walk up and down the boardwalk, and that's the sign that all of the cheap T-shirt stores had outside. Or if you if you went to any beach town, I remember this in in Nags Head uh, too, in the Outer Banks. You know, laser pointer two dollars. You know, laser pointers five for five dollars. <laughs> whatever. Like they they advertise their laser pointer deals because like, wh- yeah. Why do I need five laser pointers? Uh, I I don't know, but. Yeah, they were just, I mean, you couldn't go anywhere. And, like, of course, yeah. they were, like, banned at school. You know, you couldn't bring them into school anymore because they were such a distraction. I don't know why it started. I, I, I want to know why they became my, this phenomenon. Uh, my first laser pointer definitely had interchangeable tips that sure. would have, like, different lenses on it. I can't remember what all of them were, but I, I mean, obviously, the main one was a dot. But there was definitely a filter that was the naked woman on a truck mud flap nice. silhouette. Hell I'm yeah. like, oh hell yeah! <laughs> I'm I'm 10 years old and this is getting me going. <laughs> yeah, um, and so of course they were annoying at movies and and everything. But they, they I I just want to know why they were just everywhere and how that started. But I don't think I'll ever find out. The, I, I like that the guy uses them at the uses it at the concession stand too to like point at the Skittles <laughs> and the soda. I'll have uh, one of these and one of those. <laughs> Even though I'm I'm assuming that the clerk at the concession stand is not turning around to see what he's pointing at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I loved George coming up and saying, like, oh, are you the guy with the funny laser pointer? And the guy just deadpan says, the laser's not funny. I'm funny. Yes. Yeah. I love how like, they... Yeah, go ahead. I, I love he, he's so funny. He's circling boobs. <laughs> yeah, I I love how they set this up as uh, immediately like the way comedians talk to each other. And this comedian's not funny because he's this type of comic. This one's not funny because he does this material. You know, like the the, the pettiness <laughs> yeah, yeah. that comes with with that profession. But George asks him. He's like, you know what? I I have this line during the explosion. If you could, you know, he asked him to kind of give him some time during the explosion scene so we can do his act. And uh, back over at the car, 
Kramer suggests just abandoning Jerry Saab and committing insurance fraud, saying it was stolen. And he almost convinces him with the confusing him with the deductible talk all while they're listening to the Mets game on the radio because uh I, I don't know if we touched on it at the very beginning they're they're leaving the Mets game because they were getting trolloped yeah. eight to nothing but in one of the previous scenes they had scored two runs in the eighth inning now they've scored six runs in the ninth so it's tied now yeah yeah they're mounting a comeback yeah and I did like all the deductible talk too because it's another <laughs> thing that I don't know about my insurance he's like what's your deductible he's like I don't know he's like that's because they already deducted it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know enough to know that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but it was funny how, how confu- <laughs> like it almost made sense to Jerry because he just talks in all these circles about deductible. And, like, they deduct it from the car when you buy it. Like, what? That is not what it is. <laughs> uh, so funny. So back in the theater, the, the women are still loving the laser pointer guy. And again, I love how overacting and cheesy these women deliver their lines. Like, he's funny. And like, yeah, I think one of them said, hey, there's that laser guy again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's funny. And it's like, oh, I, I never meet anybody funny. And they're like, a sense of humor is more important to me than looks or hair. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And so the explosion happened and happens and George delivers his line, which bombs. Yeah. Everyone just kind of looks at him. No one laughs. Yeah. It, it's almost like the movie stops too because <laughs> yeah. there's no sound <laughs> yeah record scratch uh even the guy in the projection booth was like what oh dude um dude no come on and so he blames it all on laser guy and unloads on him and calls him a prop comic you're nothing but a prop comic uh, and the laser guy starts pointing the laser dot on george's head <laughs> causing everybody to crack up again <laughs> where's the craft i think is one thing he yells at him <laughs> you're just a prop comic <laughs> Out in Jerry's car, Maroon Golf wants, uh, so Kramer does a little uh, negotiating, and Maroon Golf will move if he gets an I'm sorry wave from Jerry. And we find out his name is Lamar Maroon Golf, but they continue to call him Maroon Golf. And George comes back, and he's now got the laser dot on his head. Laser guy is following him, and also circling George's boobs, <laughs> as he as he does. So Jerry gives the I'm sorry wave. And I like the way they describe that. Like, you know, you bow your head and you lift your hands. Like Jerry does do it wrong and Maroon Golf calls him out on it. He's like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But he's like, but I'll take it. Yeah, but I'll take it. But yeah, I know that like, you know, you bow your head and you lift your hand over the height of your head to go, oh, sorry. But that's not what Jerry does. But he still agrees and he moves. And Jerry taunts Maroon Golf as he turns down to go down the alleyway and calls him a jackass. And it's right at that second that a bunch of cars come through and they're stuck in the tunnel. Leading the way is Elaine's cab. (laughs) And this would be a great, this episode would be great evidence that Jerry or somebody in the group, maybe Jerry himself, are living in some sort of simulation. Because him being stymied at every turn, it seems like they're directing him in a way that like they directed Truman in the Truman show. You know, like he tries to turn (laughs) down that aisle and boom, there's a car right there. Like, how did they, How did, I mean, I know it's written as a TV show to be that way, but in real life, as I, if I was Jerry, I'd start asking some very existential questions like, <laughs> that's weird. It's almost like I'm being diverted purposefully into, you know, into acting one way or another. It's interesting because it, we would go to a commercial break at this point normally, and they kind of pull a funny switcheroo. When we come back, we get a establishing shot of Jerry's apartment building. They go inside and it's completely empty and then back to Jerry's car. 
Wait, when was that? I missed that, that was, completely. Yeah, that was right after this bit. I was like, I was like, oh, they get out of the traffic, and then it shows the apartment, and then it goes back to the traffic. You don't, you didn't, you didn't see that? No, I missed yeah. this scene entirely. <laughs> I, I just thought it came back to the sidewalk. Did, did you watch this on Netflix too? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, check it out. Check it out again, of you. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a pretty funny gag. I I don't know how I missed that. All right. <laughs> it might have been silent. So maybe you were like taking notes and thought nothing was going on or, or something like that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely there. And so back in traffic, Jerry is pleading with all of the cars to back up all at the same time. And I thought this joke was going to be problematic, but it's one of my favorite of the whole episode. He goes, Amigo, are you paying attention? And this guy walks by and goes, Hey, Amigo. Or whatever. He's like, No, I mean the guy in the Amigo. I <laughs> that was kind of funny. That was hilarious. Like, you have to know that Amigo was an old type of car, but it was still really f- a funny joke for the Puerto Rican Day Parade. <laughs> He's like, Amigo, are you paying attention? And the guy's like, Oh, hey. Uh, no, I mean the guy in the Amigo. Elaine gets out of the cab, and now the cab driver is bitter about being stuck in traffic, and he's not going to be able to get any fares now. It was Elaine that gave him directions. Yeah, my guy, you got three fares all from the same person (laughs) when you would have been sitting in traffic. (laughs) That's true. Every time he turned the meter on and off, it... (laughs) <laughs> it would it would reset to the base pay, whatever that is in that cab at that yeah. moment. And and uh, the base pay on the side of his door says $2. And then for every, I think, quarter mile and for every minute. So I'm guessing every time Elaine was in his cab was at least five bucks. <laughs> That's a good eye, by the way. I didn't see the on the side the, the fare costs. But yeah, so every time she probably threw him, maybe not, well, I, I would hope she would tip. So maybe the first time it was like a 10, because maybe she'd been in there a little bit longer. But then the second or third times, maybe it was another five. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say he definitely made like 10 or 15 bucks just from yes. Elaine when he would have made nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Elaine has to check her privilege in this scene because he says, he's like, oh, we had to go this way because you went to college. And she goes, I went to Tufts, my safety school. So don't tell me about hardship. <laughs> <laughs> and George is worried about his eye, uh, the, the laser causing his eyeball to explode if it gets into his cornea and heats it up. Oh, my God. I loved George's line here. He, he just tells Jerry, he's like, I can't be blind, Jerry. The blind are courageous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like so, such an easy chance for a very like bad dig on blind people. Yeah, but it's just a dig on the George character. Yes, yeah, and and I totally. Uh, this is another way in, in which I am like George. If I had any hardship, like like a severe illness, or uh, if you a, had any real hardship, yeah, or or a disability like that, I know I would just uh, just crumble, just <laughs> like a house of cards, and not do anything interesting or inspirational with it like you know make a t-shirt or something even that sounds like an onion article this this guy encounters severe hardship every day and doesn't do fucking anything <laughs> yeah, with yeah. it elaine is tries to again now she's going to try to walk or at least maybe find the subway or something like that but she gets stuck in a crowd that can't cross the street and so she leads the crowd under the bleachers saying, here's a way to go. And a bunch of people follow her. This seemed like it was referencing something too. Maybe just like survival movies in general. Maybe we'll find that it is referencing a specific survival movie, but it, it plays very much like that. Kramer, meanwhile, is looking for a bathroom and he goes to an apartment open house as the great H.E. Pennypacker. He's back for one last <laughs> dance. And the apartment that he's looking at goes for $1.5 million which is amazing. I loved his dance. Like, you don't want to run in and go, where's the bathroom? 
like he pretends he wants the apartment <laughs> you know he's interested in what it costs and he doesn't ask about the bathroom first he goes oh i assume it has a grotto or something like that yeah a um a backyard grotto yeah so, uh, or no i think he says a waterfall grotto. yeah a waterfall grotto something like that and she goes no and he's like oh well uh does it have bathroom a bathroom <laughs> and she's like yes it has four he's like what would be the absolute nearest bathroom <laughs> 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 it's being so nonchalant about it under the bleachers elaine is leading her survival crew and and also spreading gossip in the in the meantime too oh my god yeah because the pregnant woman goes by and how does she find out that she's not married? Oh, um, she does she call her ma'am or missus or or maybe ask or her no mom. no she I think she wants to like give up. She's like no come on your husband's waiting yes, for you yeah yeah and and the woman just goes I don't have a husband yeah and Elaine just says oh okay and immediately as she passes by she tells the person right behind her <laughs> yeah. she's like oh, she's not married. <laughs> Yeah, and then but the old people are interested, even though they're also struggling. They're like, <laughs> "Is the boyfriend still in the picture?" <laughs> uh, and they they end up leaving the preacher who can't go on anymore. They had this priest with them, and as she leaves him, Elaine calls him Father O'Gimpy. It's like, "All right, we'll be able to move much faster without Father O'Gimpy." And then he just yells up, "I heard that!" <laughs> yeah. Over in the car, George shows up in aviators to get back at Laser Guy. And as he comes up, Jerry asks him what seems to be the problem officer, just like my friend made fun of me when I was wearing aviators in 99 and called did me. This, uh, did this hit home for you, Tim? It did. It did a little bit. Again, very much like George. But who's ahead of the curve? Me and George. We were ahead of the aviator fashion trend in 99 or 98 even for George. But it doesn't stop Laser Guy and George, and George believes Jerry's story about the mirror bouncing the laser between his eye and the lens <laughs> and intensifying it each time again, which would cause George's eye to explode. Kramer shows up and he has Puerto Rican day fever. He is into the atmosphere and he was even watching the Mets game in the apartment. And so we cut to the apartment for sale and Jerry is there watching the game as Kel Varnson. He promises a bidding war when he hears that Penny Packer is involved. Because the woman drops, he's like, well, you know, I, I have to tell you, a wealthy industrialist was stopping by to look at it, which Jerry recognizes as Kramer's cover story whenever he needs to be H.E. Pennypacker. Also, then back in the car, George spots Laser Guy and the hunted becomes the hunter. <laughs> back under the bleachers, it's at this point, this point that I thought it might be a daylight parody, a parody of the movie where everybody gets trapped in a underwater vehicular tunnel. Mm -hmm. um do you remember that it had sylvester stallone i think no I, I i've never never seen it never heard of it actually because elaine hits it sounds familiar though for some uh, reason elaine hits a brick wall and it's at this point that i was wondering what's behind the bleachers are they also backed up against something you... <laughs> it, it's like it's like how there looks like there's room on their side of the booth in monks but yes it's definitely up against a wall yeah yeah, I guess so, because I'm like, why don't you just go out the back of the bleachers at this point? Because there has to be like foot traffic moving behind there, you would imagine. But And he's, she starts making out with one of the dudes down there and panicking, and they get the attention of the spectators who are sitting on the bleachers, and a cop is like, wish I could help you, and closes, closes them out <laughs> again. <laughs> Would, I, I want to know what is in this spot whenever there isn't a parade, because these look like pretty permanent bleachers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and why was there a brick wall there? <laughs> How is that even possible? That, there would have to be like a brick wall in the middle of the street in New York City. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense architecturally. George 
sneaks up on who he thinks is laser guy and grabs his pointer and breaks it, but it's just a dude's pen, not a laser pen. And laser <laughs> guy is still there pointing his laser at George. Not only that, but now George has ink all over his yeah. hands. Yeah. Back of the car, Kramer lights a cigar with a sparkler and then tosses the still lit sparkler, which did not go out because you can't just <laughs> blow those things out. He tosses it uh, into the back of Jerry's car, which has the Puerto Rican flag in it uh, in the back. And Kramer grabs the flaming Puerto Rican flag and stomps on it, catching the attention of Bob and Cedric from <laughs> season seven. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while since we've seen Bob and Cedric. They're in three episodes, as far as I could tell. Uh, season seven, episode six, the Soup Nazi, is their first appearance. And then also they show up with uh, asking why Kramer's not wearing the ribbon. And maybe this is the third one. Yeah, I think that's it. And those are the three. And so, yeah, uh, Bob and Cedric are very upset. And Kramer run runs off, chased by an angry mob. <laughs> uh, back in the apartment for sale, Art Vandalay, a.k.a. George, shows up to wash the ink off his hands. Kramer comes in. And we have uh, introductions. Kramer comes in to hide, and and everybody recognizes each other, of course. But you know, they 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 sort of have a back and forth, like Vandalay, Penny Packer, Varnson, Penny Packer, you know, that kind of thing. And so the fact that Elaine's not there anymore, Kramer and George are both there, and Jerry. That means the car is not being watched; it is being destroyed by the angry mob. And on top of all that, the Mets lost. <laughs> we do get one more scene where the car has been shoved somehow into a basement apartment entrance <laughs> like the stairs that go down to those basement apartments El yeah that's uh that's pretty impressive yeah actually yeah that's pretty <laughs> pretty amazing <laughs> elaine shows up and she's completely disheveled and just covered in garbage and maroon golf drives by why he didn't leave hours ago because the streets are empty now but maroon golf shows up <laughs> and gloats and calls jerry a jackass once again and this is kind of a callback to, I think, the parking garage. Jerry sets his... I love that he sets his car alarm, even though the car is shoved in a stairwell. It goes, bloop, bloop. And he goes, like, all right, everyone, remember where we parked? Which is, <laughs> is a funny joke, but I, I also think a callback to the, the parking garage episode. And uh, and that's it. Oh, my God. All right, what do we got for homework this week? Um, I didn't write anything down, but I know we'll delve into the controversy surrounding the Puerto Rican Day Parade and Kramer lighting the Puerto Rican flag on fire and stepping on it made a lot of people upset. Uh, it, mm -hmm. When I saw it, like it was shocking for sure. Like I, I remembered the controversy. I haven't seen it. This is maybe one of the Seinfeld episodes I'm least familiar with, maybe mostly because it, I don't even know if they show it in syndication now. I know it got pulled a long time ago. They might not even show it in syndication. This might be the only time it, it exists is if you're watching on like a streaming service or something. So I, I wasn't really that familiar with it. So I hadn't seen it maybe in, in you know, years and it was kind of shocking, but I don't, you know, it's it's interesting that it was so upsetting to people, you know, like, what was your take on on that scene? I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't. And again, this is coming from my white male <laughs> point of view. I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. And I try to look at it as like, well, what if he did it with an American flag? I'm like, it's still not done out of hate, you know? Honestly, like, I would I would think it's funny if he did it with an American flag. Yeah, yeah. If they were at like, I don't know, some other sort Imagine of... doing that, like, uh, Jer Jerry and the gang go to the Daytona 500, but Kramer <laughs> accidentally catches, uh, catches an American flag on fire with a cigar. Yeah, yeah. Or like Jerry and the gang get caught in the Fourth of July parade, and he lights the American flag on fire. Like that, <laughs> I think that would be funny. Like since we put it in that context too, like at an actual event where people would get upset about that, I think it's funny, and and so I'll be interested to read about why people were so upset about it because it definitely wasn't done out of hate. And now, and like, yeah. and, and again, we're 
like maybe it would have been funnier with an American flag because doing oh, it with a Puerto even, Rican flag is punching down. Even around the same time, why not do it for a Memorial Day parade? Yeah, that might even you, be you, too heavy because Memorial Day is about like, you know, veterans who have passed away. So I guess that maybe. But when has that stopped Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld? Oh, no, you're right. Nothing is sacred. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that would be like that. That would be very morose. Yeah, and I'd be like, oh my god, I'm laughing at this, but I don't feel good about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's that may be the more curb way of doing it. Like again, you mentioned Larry David. Like that may be the more Larry David way of doing it. Like Jerry, I could see going with something a little less loaded, like the Fourth of July parade. You know, like Fourth of July uh, when everyone's just patriotic for patriotic sake. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. Memorial yeah. Day, we're patriotic because we're we're paying tribute to people who <laughs> lost their lives. Like, but but regardless, like and again, so but burning the American flag is definitely punching up, and maybe that's why it's funny. You mentioned like we're talking as you know two white males. We're like, yeah, that'd be funny. Like we can't speak as like, well, yeah, but people do burn, people do hate Puerto Ricans in a way that they don't hate just regular white guys. You know, yeah, very true. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's why people were so upset. We can't. Well, I don't know why they're so offended. Um, it'll, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll delve into the controversy a little bit next week. But besides that, I didn't write anything else down. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm sure just that will be about 25 minutes of <laughs> of a uh, on the top bullshit for next week. Probably. What do you like for cover art this week? Um, there's got to be a good shot of all of them in the car. I mean, I, I like the the wide shot of them in traffic. I thought that was pretty amazing, but you can't really see anybody mm-hmm. of note in that shot. But something like that. What are you thinking? Uh, I mean, obviously, it came to mind of uh, Kramer stamping the Puerto Rican flag <laughs> uh, because there's a good crowd around him. Um, but again, it, it is just Kramer in that in the main characters of that shot. But also, I really liked, and we kind of like skipped over the ending of this scene whenever George was wearing his sunglasses and Jerry was uh, telling him about the laser like bouncing back and forth. Mm-hmm. After he rips the sunglasses off, the laser pointer pops back up right between his eyes. Oh, yeah. And Jerry's like, hold still. And then he leaves to go get a drink. Yeah. And what would you say his name was? Lamar? Yeah. Lamar just shouts out, hey, jackass, give me a Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> but yeah. George is just standing there, like, stone still with a laser right between his eyes. Yeah, I thought that was great, And too. his eyes are crossed. It is pretty funny. Yeah. I, yeah, all that's good. All right. Let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had the gang gets stuck in traffic due to the Puerto Rican Day Parade, period. George has a laser pointed at him. Period. George, Jerry, and Kramer crash an open house. Period. I can get rid of everything after the first sentence. Isn't that enough? Yeah. Yeah, I think. It's not exciting, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I think that's it all we need. It definitely helps it feel more like a bottle episode with yeah. just a single line in the description and it encompasses everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think we. Need I, I wouldn't say this is a traditional bottle episode, but it is. We, we've had a few of these where it doesn't all take place in one scene. Like the dealership doesn't all take place in one scene right. or, or one setting, I should say. But it's all settings that we are not used to, not accustomed to. Yeah, yeah, they're like on location somewhere. And that's as close to a bottle. It's funny, like whenever we're not in somebody's apartment, that's the bottle episode. You know, it's like this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one was all within like you know, essentially a one block radius or whatever. Just like you know, the parking garage was all different floors of the parking garage, and the Chinese restaurant was all the Chinese restaurant. And yeah, so the, it's it's as close to a bottle episode as I think we're gonna get in the Seinfeld universe. Even though we're in this apartment, 
were in a cab, you know, whatever. But I think just like, yeah, they, they get stuck in traffic. I mean, that's that's the ultimate show about nothing description, I think. <laughs> you know, you know, they're going to do something even though they're stuck in traffic. I think that's fine. It's weird to me that this show, this episode is called The Puerto Rican Day and not The Puerto Rican Day the Parade. The Puerto Rican Day Parade. Yeah, I, that is very weird. I thought I had just like run out of, I thought Netflix just like <laughs> ran out of space. And I was like, oh, it's definitely The Puerto Rican Day Parade. No, it's The Puerto Rican Day <laughs> It's just weird. <laughs> well, next week, we have got Season 9, Episode 21, speaking about weird names for episodes uh, <laughs> on Netflix. This is called The Clip Show Part 1 and 2, where <laughs> I I had to look it up. I'm like, there's no way that's the, the actual name, because that's very lazy. <laughs> it is not. Clip the show. official name of the of the episode is The Chronicle. Oh, it's called The Chronicle. Yeah. Interesting. But Netflix has it as The Clip Show Part 1 and 2. Wait a minute. Okay. Maybe Part 1 is called Is Part 1 called The Chronicle or something like that? Nope. Cuz I thought The nope. Chronicle was something different. No, I guess that's it. Huh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. To- totally different name on Netflix. Um but the the Wikipedia says that it is known to fans as The Clip Show, uh-huh. but its official title is The Chronicle. Jeez. The one time and, um, the one time Netflix does it, fan service, they <laughs> screw it up royally. Right. And uh they they did air as back-to-back episodes in the same night so it it looks like we will be covering it as a a single episode i mean we've done clip shows here before Mm -hmm. it's not much of a not much of new stuff to cover i've got something to propose to you after we finish recording but that can that can be in a private conversation okay yeah, yeah, the clip show episodes are never long because it's like we're not going to go through and describe every friggin' clip, so <laughs> yeah. don't worry about that. What, what, what are we going to do? Just like list things? Yeah, actually, I think that's what we've done before—is <laughs> literally just like list the clips that played and not talk about them. I, I don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go back and find the the one we did in the middle <laughs> of the run. The one I think it was like around the 100th episode, right? I think so. Yeah. So I'll have to see what we did for that one because it wasn't very long. Maybe we did just list all the clips. I don't know. I mean, we'll we, we talked we, we talked about it, and we just like talked and caught up ourselves. Yeah. But then we're like, okay, then we get another montage. It's this and that and this yeah, and this and yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. They do kind of group them. Like, all right, it's not like here's a best of clip. Here's a best of clip. It's like, no, here's all the times Kramer did this. Here's all the time George did this or whatever. So yeah, I'm sure we'll get a little of that. So here's all the times Elaine gave me her shove. <laughs> yeah, all the Elaine shoves. Like yeah. But if you are looking in TV Guide the night <laughs> of May. 14th 1998 oh oh yeah another week after this episode aired Mm. so uh, again if you're not home on thursday night you're missing seinfeld you're missing a new episode of seinfeld if you're looking at tv guy the night of may 14th 1998 you are going to see look back at the funniest clips most memorable quotes and unseen footage in this retrospective of the landmark series entire run i doubt that was actually (laughs) it but that's not bad (laughs) it's it's not no um and so this this aired right before the finale. This aired right before the last episode of Seinfeld. They they devoted the whole uh, primetime night. I think, oh, was it to, all May fourteenth? Yeah, all May fourteenth. Oh, I yep. didn't know that. Okay, damn. It might so have been did like a, a two hour block. Yeah, it might have been like eight to nine, and then nine to ten was the finale. I think. Or, or something like that, because I know the finale ran long. I don't know how it actually was. Actually, you the, know, the finale is another uh, another hour long episode, and yeah, it was also May fourteenth. You're right. So it was a, a two hour block 
of Seinfeld programming. Oh yeah, with uh with the clip show and then the finale apparently. And nobody missed a second. It it was not enough Seinfeld for everybody. But you know what's funny? I'm I'm gonna have to tweet this out. When I was at home for Christmas back in the, the hometown, Sarah's mom, my mother-in-law, was nice enough to. She was just like cleaning some stuff out, and she found a TV guide from the week that the Seinfeld finale aired. And so I took some pictures of like the little blurbs in there and the oh that's awesome and the actual actually i can look right now and tell you because i took a picture of what was on that night so seinfeld the clip show seinfeld the finale and then er was on the season finale of er was on from 10 to 11 that night so it was two hours of seinfeld and then er and yeah cbs was running promised land then diagnosis (laughs) murder ABC had Unforgiven, the Clint Eastwood movie on. Jeez. Yeah. So it, everything that was going to get trounced. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tweet out these uh, these little TV guide blurbs and articles and stuff like that. But I can tell you what. I'll, I'll, read, I'll do it next week because I was like, I'm looking at a TV guide and I can tell you what they said about the Seinfeld season finale. So I'll do that next week at the end of the episode. So, all right. <laughs> what did you think of the Puerto Rican Day anyway? I didn't really care for it. Yeah. I got some good laughs out of it, but... It, it wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah, I um I, I didn't star it. If I could give a star to any of the scenes, though, I would give a star to George in the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the best storyline by far. I love when, I mean, it's just so funny when they trash Jerry's profession. Like, he is a big star, but, like, not to his friends, you know? He's, like, reached the top of, you know, or he's a very popular comedian. You know, he's on The Tonight Show and stuff like that. And But his, to his friends, it's like, Come on, what do you what do you do? <laughs> and Kramer <laughs> always wants him to quit. You know, he's always talking about how poorly his career is going. George is always talking about how easy it is to do. Like I do what you do. What do you do? A bunch of that like, do you ever notice kind of stuff? Uh, you know, and and Elaine hates hearing his bits. Anytime she thinks he might be doing a bit, she's like, wait a second, is this a bit? Wasn't that part of your act? Like I love how they all <laughs> react to it in different ways, and none of them are supportive. Uh, it's just such a great, but yeah, George in the theater was the funniest. Yeah, I, I agree. It was. It, it was. I got some good laughs out of it. I, I would say, as even as far as middle of the road Seinfeld episodes go, it's below that line. Yeah. But, yeah. But still enjoyable. All right, is that it? I think that is it. All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.